0: My fellow assassins, to another episode of the Dark Assassins podcast, the show that dives deep into not just technology, but the concepts, software, and procedures behind it all, and explains it so simply that even your grandma can understand it. As always, I'm your host, The Dark Assassin. So, before we get into today's episode, um, I need to uh, go into another story time uh, because I'm pretty sure. That uh, my IT department is definitely out to get me uh, because once again, they uh, disabled my ability to do work. Although it was temporarily and not for too terribly long, they uh, disabled my ability to work nonetheless. So, where the story begins is I'm, you know, doing my work, and our IT guy reaches out to me and he's like, hey, uh, you know, when's a good time, you know, for me to hop onto your system and uh, push and, and do some updates and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about it and then I, I realized I had a meeting coming up. So I was like, hey, you know, I'm stepping out for a meeting, you know, feel free, hop on anytime you want. Um, so I go to my meeting and then I come back and he's already done. I'm able to log back into the system um, and then I go to open up my web browser and it takes a little while which I mean in fairness it is on a hard drive so you know credit to where credit's due Uh, but then I get this nice uh, this nice pop-up message uh, saying that uh, I either don't have permission to open the web browser or it cannot find uh, the file for the web browser and I was like Okay, uh, that's strange. But in fairness, I did try to open it through a shortcut, so maybe something got messed up there. Uh, so I navigated to where the you know the web browser actual application is, tried to click on that. Same thing, took a while, and then got that same error message. And I was like, okay, we got a problem here. Uh, so I emailed the guy. I'm like, hey, yeah, so... I can't open up my web browser, you know, I get this error message, uh, can you help me out? And some time goes by, I don't hear back from him, but I went on, got back on the system a little later, and I tried tried to open up the web browser again, and it worked, and I was like, okay, uh, maybe he got on and fixed the issue. So then I'm going about my day doing my thing. And then later on in the day, you know, as a software developer, as I do, I was working on some code. And mind you, I wasn't changing anything to the code to actually, you know, cause it not to work. Uh, I was literally just taking an already made string and just putting additional information in the string. So nothing to cause any kind of errors or problems. So I compiled the code. And it takes a lot longer than usual uh, to compile a small change like that. And I was like, hmm, that's kind of weird. But it says it compiled, and it created the executable just fine. Um, So then I tried to run it, and nothing happened. And I was like, huh, well, that's weird. Uh, Literally nothing I changed should have bricked this thing from running. Uh, Let me try manually... Uh, running it rather than you know through this script, so I try to manually run it, and I bet you can't guess what error message I got. I got that same error message saying that I either don't have permission or that it can't—it's not located in the place where I clicked. So I was like, "Yeah, okay, we got a problem here." Um, so I figured, okay, well, maybe something was wrong, you know, you know, doing the rebuild on the on the on the project. So let me let me just delete the executable. Uh, clean the solution and just build it from scratch. Well, that was a mistake because when I went to go rebuild it from scratch, it took a long time to get going and then eventually I just get access denied. And I'm like, well, ain't that cute. I can't even compile my code anymore. That's fantastic. So then I figured as a last ditch effort, okay, maybe something's wrong with this solution file. Let me try to go back and regenerate it. So, I go back to try to regenerate it, and guess what happens? It freezes and doesn't work. And I'm like, alright, yeah, something is definitely wrong with my computer here. Uh, So then, as a last-ditch effort, because mind you, as a software developer, we have deadlines we need to meet. We gotta make our code work and be ready to go by certain times. So I'm trying to figure out how I can, you know, get my code to build uh, even with this issue. So I tried to make a, some kind of script that I could build it from the command line and I not have to worry about the uh, integrated development environment or IDE. And I kind of had a hacked thing together, which I knew wouldn't work, but I just thought for the heck of it, give it a shot. And I gave that script a run and access denied and i'm like yeah we got an issue so i emailed the it guy and i'm like hey uh we got a pretty widespread issue on my machine of me not having permission to do virtually anything uh so i'm gonna need some assistance on this and then you know day goes by next day uh, I get to work, and I open up my email, and I see an email from him, and he's like, yeah, I ran some scans, and uh, there was some file system corruption on your computer, but I fixed it and rebooted it. You should be good to go. And I'm like, wow. So my computer was working fine. <laughs> they hopped on to do, you know, whatever they do, and somehow part or parts of my computer's file system got corrupted. Nice. So... Always, always a fun time uh, when you rely on technology and things can just randomly out of nowhere just break. And yeah, always, always, always a good time. So with that story time out of the way, let's get into what we're actually going to talk about in this episode, which is, are advanced degrees really worth it for software development? Now, to preface this... I'm not talking about computer science in general. Like, obviously, yes. If you're going into some kind of research field where you're going to be doing research and writing theses and all that jazz, then yes, getting a master's degree or PhD is kind of a necessity if you actually want to do anything in that field. But we're not talking about that. We're strictly talking about... You want to be boots on the ground, hands on the keyboard, writing code for a living for some company. We're talking about software development, not any kind of research. Now, when you hear this question of, are advanced degrees worth it for software development, if you know me personally, you're probably laughing to yourself hysterically right now because you already know the answer. But for those of you who don't know me personally, let me give you a little bit of a background uh, to let you know where I'm coming from so you can kind of understand if there's any bias in this, which spoiler alert there is. Um, So just as some background, I'm currently actually working on a master's degree right now, part-time, and uh, I hate it. It's terrible. Not a fun time, and I hate school in general. I think it's not a good to- good place to be, and I really don't enjoy it. Which is kind of ironic because my uh, my current boss, uh, when I told told her that, she was so shocked because she was like, w- "What?" She was so confused because you know I I got good grades and whatnot. Which, by the way, good grades don't mean you're smart. Uh, if you didn't know that, um, a lot of people can get good grades, but you actually make them do real work and they have no idea what they're doing uh, but that but that's a whole nother discussion but anyway yeah I, I don't like school I you can literally put me in a if you you could literally so I've talked before on this uh, podcast about you know things like DevOps and docker containers and kubernetes and all that stuff so you could give me like a school environment where I would learn that stuff, and I probably wouldn't have a fun time. You give me an idea for a project, personal project, where I could utilize that stuff, man, if I ain't going to spend like all my waking hours digging into how this stuff works and trying to figure it out, that's exactly what I'm going to do. But you do give that same thing in a school environment, and I'll hate it and not want to do any of the work. So I don't know. That's just kind of how I am. Uh, if, if it's something that I'm passionate about, and want to do because I want to do it, I'm all for it, which is, you know, why it's out on this uh, this, uh, this podcast about, you know, personal projects and home labs and that kind of thing. Uh, but then you force me to do something through some kind of, like, schooling, and, man, I I, I can't... You can, I barely struggle to put any kind of effort into that. I put basically bare minimum. Um, so anyway, that's kind of the bias... Uh, on that part so back to the question are advanced degrees worth it for software development uh that's that's going to be a no for me but not just a no a heck no and le- let's get into why i say that you definitely don't need an advanced degree for software development because i guess one thing that a lot of people point out is but you'll if you get a master's degree say or a phd You'll make more money when you first start your career, and that's true. You will make more money, but you also are going to probably take on more debt unless you can get some kind of massive scholarships or you can have someone pay for it that isn't yourself or you got just a ton of money lying around. Um, But you also have to figure that, yes, you'll make more money out of the gate but you're also getting out of the gate a lot later than someone that, say, just has a bachelor's degree. So according to the National Association for Colleges and Employees... Uh, those with bachelor's degrees could expect to earn around sixty-eight thousand dollars their first year, and those with master's degrees could expect to earn eighty-one thousand dollars. So obviously, that's a you know a pretty significant difference. Uh, you're looking at a twenty percent larger paycheck if you get a master's degree uh, as far as you know your first job. Um, of course, all these numbers are pre-tax because you know the good old Fed boys got to take their cut, but. I mean, still, you know, that's a good chunk of money that you're definitely going to notice on a paycheck to paycheck basis. That's not, you know, some, some chump change. That's like, oh, cool. My, uh, biweekly paycheck went up by $5. Um, it's like, that's going to be, you know, some substantial money. Um, but of course, like I kind of mentioned, there's a catch to all of this. So for master's degrees, you generally need somewhere in the, low to mid 30 credits range. Um, for example, my degree I'm going for is 33 credits. Um, so at minimum, if you're, you're, it's going to take you at least a year, if not, you know, a year and a half or two, depending on, um, how intense you're going with this degree. Um, it could even take you, you know, maybe three years, depending on if you're kind of doing it part time. Um, or I mean, it, it really depends on how, how ham you're going, essentially. Uh, but assume that, I mean, but regardless, if you do full time student, which is like 15 credits, that's going to take you at least a year um, to complete. So again, it goes back to yeah, you'll make, you know, 20% more money uh, as far as your paycheck goes, you, or at least you can expect to earn that much more. Uh, but you're also entering the workforce a year later. Uh, So you already missed out on, you know, 68 grand that you could have made if you just went right to uh, the workforce rather than going for the master's degree. Um, Not to mention uh, the cost of going and getting uh, an advanced degree. Uh, It ain't free uh, and it certainly ain't cheap. Um, Now, obviously, the prices can vary quite drastically, um, but assuming you're a more conservative individual and you're more modest going to like an in-state school and you're not going to some like bougie private school or Ivy League school like Harvard or Yale or MIT or something like that, uh, roughly you're probably looking at around 600 bucks per credit hour. Um, and that's like once you factor in like all those additional stupid fees that colleges like to throw in. Um, so when you multiply that by you know the 30 some credits that you need, you're looking at ballpark 20 grand uh, for a degree. Obviously, that's of when I'm recording this in uh, 2022. Obviously, most likely that's gonna just get more expensive uh, in each sequential year because that's just what colleges do. Uh, but still, so personally. I don't think most people got twenty grand lying around, so you're probably uh, gonna go into some debt on that, most likely, unless you, like I mentioned, you could get some ballin scholarships or you can get your employer to pay for it. But I should mention, if you get your employer to pay for it, that's a completely different conversation than uh, not go joining the workforce and going to get the master's degree. So that's it's kind of a different thing. Um, but but can we just take a moment to realize twenty grand? Do you know what kind of absolute ball and home lab setup you could have for twenty grand? Like you could have like a full on data center. I mean, it if you knew how to spend your money and you you know you you weren't buying like brand new stuff that's literally like marked up like crazy and you went on to the used market like on ebay man you could fill like a 42u rack probably Uh, i guess depends on you know what kind of gear you're getting but still you could have an absolutely awesome setup um which that 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 kind of makes me i mean that would be awesome, don't get me wrong, but also uh, <laughs> your electricity bill probably would also be quite impressive as well, in addition to how impressive your home lab is. Um, but, you know, uh, getting back on topic here. Um, so, now assuming that you have this 20 grand that you have to spend. Not only did you miss out on the sixty-eight grand by just going straight to the workforce, but now you're twenty grand essentially in the hole because you had to, you know, go to school. Uh, so now you're like eighty-two thousand dollars less than someone who just got the bachelor's degree and started working. So, and that's just assuming you finish in one year. If you take longer than a year, then that that dis- discrepancy grows obviously um so now that additional nine thousand dollars a year might not be as appealing once you realize all the work you have to do uh to get that to that point to be able to make that additional money um so best case scenario you complete the degree in one year right so let's say hypothetically you were in a modest raise of three percent and the person with the bachelor's degree, they never get a raise because they're a pleb and because they didn't get a higher degree and therefore they're a loser and they don't deserve any kind of raise, right? So assuming we have that into, into taken into account, the person with the bachelor's is making 68000 and you're making 81000 with a 3% raise every year, it'll take you six years to make up the difference. Now, assuming, say you both get three uh, percent raise or neither of you get a raise. It takes you eight years to make up the difference. Now obviously this is a oversimplification because uh, in the span of say six to eight years, uh, obviously the amount of raises that you or the person with a bachelor's degree would get would obviously fluctuate. It wouldn't be set at three percent every year. Um, there's also this also doesn't take it take into account career changes. Like if you changed companies to go in search of a, a new opportunity that would pay you a lot, a significantly amount uh, more money, or you went moved internally inside your company uh, to a different position, which may or may not pay more. Um, so this is obviously an oversimplification, but the point still stands. It's going to take you a long time to make up that difference, and that's assuming that you you know under optimal conditions you finish in a year. Uh, but let's say you know. Obviously, grad school ain't exactly the easiest work in the world. Uh, so say you have to take, you know, an extra semester. So rather than taking a year, you take a year and a half. Um, so this allows the person with the bachelor's degree to make additional money. So if we go back to the assumption that they get no raise because they're a pleb and you get a 3% raise every year, it would take you eight years to make up the difference. Eight years. So in a, before it was six years, but if you taken it just one additional semester, that's an additional year that or additional two years, rather, that it would take you to make up the difference. Now, if neither of you got a raise or you both got a fixed 3% raise, that would take you 11 years. Like you're getting it to the point there, where you could kind of get into like the senior dev territory, uh, which we're gonna get into. Um, but man, I, it's kind of, in my opinion, it's kind of hard to justify that, right? Like, it's kind of hard to justify I can make more money by not going into the workforce right away, and, but I won't even get close to making up that difference in 11 years under optimal circumstances. And this being an oversimplification, I'm not accounting for a bunch of other potential variables like career changes and career moves. Um, and yeah, so while yes, you're more likely to make more money initially with the master's, you also have to spend a lot of time and money to get to the master's. Um, so because you have to spend that additional time and money to get the master's, that's additional time and money you otherwise wouldn't be making. But it gets even worse because while, yes, when you initially start out in your career, the master's degree uh, will give you, a, like I mentioned, a 20% difference in your paycheck. Uh, once you get far enough into your career that 20% difference just completely evaporates. Um, So according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, when you're in your career long enough and you become a senior developer, that percentage basically becomes absolutely negligible. Um, And you might be asking, why is this? Well, I think personally it's quite obvious because experience matters. Uh, Once you get to the point where you have experience, nobody cares what paper certificate you have that says I know stuff. They want to see what you actually know and what you've actually done, Um, which is why, (laughs) as we'll kind of get into, why I always mention and push on this podcast, you know, doing personal projects and, you know, working on things like home labs and that stuff, because it gives you legit, tangible experience that you can show to an employer to be like, look, I've done stuff. I know how to do stuff. I can do what you want me to do. I don't have some random piece of paper claiming, quote-unquote, from some university that I know stuff. Um, And the other thing with degrees and whatnot is they aren't standardized. Like, if you want to go for something... Personally, I think earlier on in your career, rather than necessarily going for like a master's or something as a software developer, I think trying to go for a certification uh, is definitely the route you'd want to go. Mainly because if you think about it, a certification is a set standard by some organization that has set, you know, uh, guidelines and levels and uh, curriculum that you have to know. That employers can understand. So, for example, uh, like the Security Plus or Network Plus or a CCNA or any one of those certificates, there is a set curriculum that you have to know in order to be able to have this certificate. It's standardized. A college degree is anything but standardized, right? If you go to uh, like MIT, and get a computer science degree there, what you do there is going to be completely different than what you did if you, say, went to the University of Kansas or the University of North Carolina or some other university. While maybe the concepts are going to be kind of similar, like, sure, you'll learn about algorithms and data structures and all that, the level of work that's going to be required and the scrutiny that's put against your work and the expectation of what you should be able to achieve is going to be a lot different school to school versus a certificate or a certification that's standardized across the board. Um, So that's kind of another reason why, you know, as you get more experienced and get into those higher level positions, the master's degree or even a PhD when it comes like strictly software development really doesn't make that much of a difference. Um so kind of going back to the numbers here so back according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics rather than a 20% difference as a senior software developer you're looking at a 3% difference. Um so but it gets even worse than that because according to salary.com uh, if you go on there and you search for a senior software developer and then you scroll down uh to how much should you be paid on uh, that section, there's kind of like some sliders where you can like customize, uh, you know, like how many years experience you have, you know, how many people you lead on your team, uh, what degree you have, that kind of stuff. If the only thing you change is from a bachelor's degree to a master's degree, the difference, I kid you not, is less than 1%, literally less than 1% difference between a master's degree and a bachelor's degree. So whereas before, you're talking about a 20% gap in the what kind of pay you can expect, once you get later on in your career, once you're an established developer, that shrinks to less than 1%, according to salary.com. So again, it, it also comes down to that fact of how long is it going to take you to make up that difference because if you're talking you're getting close to that 10-11 year range you're getting to the territory where you could kind of con- be considered as a senior developer potentially which at that point the gap between you and someone with a bachelor's degree gets even smaller so arguably it could take you even longer to make that money back so in re- in my view by these numbers that you know I've been able to find, I I have trouble trying to see the value in you know spending all that extra money and upfront cost, uh, and going to going to school full time to get that degree rather than just going into the field and getting experience. Um, but one thing I have kind of touched on, which I think we really should address here, is what if your employer pays for your degree? Um, so this, in obviously, if your employer pays for your degree, you're not being set back any kind of money whatsoever unless you, for whatever reason, fail to meet like whatever their grade requirements are and you have to pay them back for that course or whatever. But in an ideal, an ideal situation, you don't have to pay for anything. Um, so aside from the additional work and going to school and working full time, there is no downside, which I guess you could say uh, going to school part-time and working full-time is kind of a pretty big down, downside, which I would 100% agree with you. It's not a fun time. Uh, there is no downside in the sense you're not, you know, not having time where you would otherwise be making money. So rather than not working and going to school, you're still working, getting that paycheck, getting the advantage of being right out of school and starting to make money right away while also getting the master's degree. So in that sense, there really isn't a downside if your employer pays for your degree, which side note is the only reason I am doing a master's degree because my employer is paying for it. And I got convinced to do it by some of my peers and my boss. They convinced me to do it. But aside from that, there is no way in heck I'd be doing a master's degree because I like I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, I hate school. I don't enjoy it whatsoever uh but i'm pretty much just struggling through it and trying to knock out as much as many classes as quickly as possible so i can get it done as quickly as possible so i never have to do it again because let me tell you once you go to once you work full time and then once you clock out and you can have the rest of the day to yourself and you don't have to worry about anything that is addictive and you never want it to end (laughs) So going from that back to having to do school work once you're off of work is not a fun time. But I digress. So let's get into some some caveats here. Like I mentioned before, if you're looking to do any kind of computer science research or anything like that, obviously the higher degree makes a difference. But again, like I said, we're not talking about that. We're talking strictly about software development, which as we kind of mentioned here, The master's degree honestly doesn't really do much for you, in my opinion. And a PhD probably is honestly even worse because that's even more time and money you have to spend doing schoolwork just to, again, maybe you'll... I I haven't looked up the numbers. Maybe it's 30% greater. But again, how many years does it take you to do a PhD? A lot more than one. (laughs) Probably at least... I think it's closer to... three maybe four years i could be wrong about that but still assume it's say it's like three years to do a phd i mean if it if just adding an additional uh semester increase the number of years um between the master's and the bachelor's degree by 11 to make the difference can you imagine (laughs) the the increase that would be i mean rip Uh, so let's get into some alternatives so obviously I've been going on and on about how the master's degree is not worth it and you shouldn't do it so let's let's break this down so for the majority of like any kind of college class it's the general recommendation is you spend two to three hours uh, per credit hour studying in order to quote unquote be successful in the cur- course so on a per week basis so for example if you take 15 credits you should be spending somewhere between 30 and 45 hours a week studying um, does anyone actually follow this uh heck no uh-uh nobody does at least in my personal experience which is obviously very anecdotal evidence Um, That's just quote-unquote what the recommendation is, Um, because in my humble opinion, and from kind of what I've discovered, at least from myself, uh, obviously everyone's different, um, but I've noticed that when it comes to studying for schoolwork, uh, your return on investment is very much logarithmic, meaning initially... The more time you put in, you're going to see a great increase. But after you get to a certain point, it really levels off. And you could spend like an extra four hours just to improve your grade by one percentage point, which in my opinion is not worth it. If I can spend, say, three hours a week to get a a 90, why would I spend six hours a week to get a 93 Like, I I don't really see much benefit in that. Um, Or even worse, why would I spend... So, in this case, say I'm taking... um, So, right now, I'm taking, like, six credits, which is is recommended um, that you devote, like, 10 to 20 hours or so. So, if I could spend two hours, let's say, on each class, like, four hours a week, and I would get, say, a 90... Versus if I spent the 20 hours and that would boost my grade to a 95, there ain't no way in heck I'm spending that extra time just to get a 95 when I could spend basically do the bare minimum, quote unquote, bare minimum, essentially do four hours and get a 90, which to me, I, I, I'll do that, um, which is why I say the when the, the recommended thing of two to three hours of studying for me personally, uh, that's. Definitely not accurate, uh, but that's what most colleges say is recommended. So that that's why I put that out there. But the other reason I put that out there um, is because say you're trying, if you wanted to go to school, say part time to pick up a master's degree, and you're looking at taking, you know, one or two classes, you're looking at, you know, somewhere in that probably that ten to twenty hours a week ish or so. Uh, working on class but i would argue and recommend to you rather than trying to work on a degree especially if you're early on in your career why don't you spend that 10 to 20 hours you know working on a certificate since i mentioned those carry a lot of weight especially early on in your career and potentially even later on in your career too depending on what the certificate is uh, or uh, certification, I guess, would be the, the more accurate term for that, the, the certification. Um, but even if you didn't want to do a certification, say you put that 10 to 20 hours a week on, you know, a personal project or somehow developing your personal, uh, your personal professional development skills, you know, whatever, uh, whether that's a home lab, whether that's developing some personal project, like, you know, making a, your own password manager or making some fancy web app or Uh, making a database, you know, application or, you know, whatever it is, whatever you want to do, the beauty of personal projects, like I mentioned, and I've mentioned over and over again, and I'm going to reiterate here, is you have the ability to tailor it to your interests. So if you're trying to, say, make a career change or your company, you know, does, you know, say that you're strictly software development, but you kind of want to get into the networking side of things. You can make personal projects for yourself to get that experience. And then you can show that experience, you know, to your employer and be like, hey, I know how to do this stuff and you can apply, you know, for some other job and potentially like boost your, you know, your salary potentially because you're, you know, doing these personal projects, you know, working on a home lab and that kind of thing. And you can really customize and tailor your experience by learning on your own and doing your own personal projects and that kind of thing. Whereas if you're going through some kind of master's degree you're kind of have a mandatory set curriculum that you have to go through and you don't I mean to a degree you get a say in what you want to learn but anyone that's been through college knows this all too well that sure the college offers a lot of pretty cool sounding classes but we all know the vast majority of those never get offered or if they do get offered Uh, You're probably not the one that actually is able to get into them because there's only one section and it fills up like that almost immediately. Um, So you're kind of stuck with more of the just generic classes that they kind of offer for everyone, which in my opinion, generally aren't as nearly as interesting, at least sounding as um, some of those other classes. But as I kind of mentioned before, just because something sounds interesting, because it's because of the nature, it's a school thing. For me, I probably won't enjoy it that much. But that's just because it's a school thing. Um, but now you give me that, that same field of study and I can figure out some kind of personal project for myself, I will be more than happy to spend at least 10 to 20 hours a week working on that personal project to try to figure it out, figure out the technology, learn how the the API works, learn the programming language, or whatever the case may be, um, in order to get the, those skills and experience. Um, so, uh, the other thing um, which I kind of want to drive home here is by ha- doing personal projects or working on a home lab or, you know, whatever the case may be, one thing it does is it shows your dedication and devotion to the field and your willingness to learn even more than a degree does, in my opinion. Because if you think about it, do, while the degree you made an active choice to pursue that degree let's be honest anyone can go out and earn a degree now obviously some people are going to struggle trying to get a degree more than others that's true but you went out to do a degree you have a set curriculum you have set things you have to do Checkbox one two three good you did that here's your degree but that's not what how it works with, you know, personal projects and home labs, right? In in that case, you physically and mentally had to make the conscious decision to work on that home lab or work on that personal project or write that piece of code, write that script, you know, whatever it is. You had to make a conscious decision to go and do that rather than just, you know, following the steps of the curriculum. So this demonstrates to employers that, that you're willing, you know, to go out of your way to learn stuff, um, even if you don't know how to do something and you have that drive to figure it out on your own. And that's one of those skills that's invaluable and employers really look for. Um, So especially if you're early on in your career, this is why I can't recommend personal projects and home labs and all this more. I, I can't, Emphasize this the importance enough, because employers will see that and be gravitated towards you over someone else because you have that drive. And I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before, um, but like if you have a you know a GitHub or a GitLab or a Bitbucket or you know wherever you host your um, your code repos, if an employer sees on your say your GitHub all those all these personal projects that you've done and all this time you've spent, you know, making these personal projects, they're gonna be really intrigued compared to someone that just has, you know, CS three twenty five, CS five fifty, CS six hundred. They're like, oh cool, they just uploaded their school projects, big whoop. Right? Like everyone did those school projects. Whereas that personal project that you wrote only you wrote that. You wrote that because you were interested in it. You wrote that because you wanted to learn how that works. You wrote that because you have a drive to become a software developer. You wrote that because you just have a general interest in the field and you want to devote your time and your resources to becoming better and more proficient. And that is just something that that you can't learn in a classroom. Um, so I think definitely if, if I, if I wasn't in a master's master's program right now, that's what I would be devoting my time to, um, which I had the, I had the pleasure of having the summer off. Um, and that's, that's pretty much what I spent the vast majority of my time, free time doing. I uh, was working on my home lab and working on personal projects, but alas, I'm not going to have as much time to do that because, uh, That darn curriculum is forcing me to do stuff like everyone else. And I don't have the freedom and ability uh, to do the stuff that I want to do and pursue the technologies and, uh, you know, personal projects that I would much rather invest my time in. But, you know, it is what it is. So I guess to kind of wrap this up here. Well, yes, a master's degree when you first start working will definitely make you more money out of the gate. You also have to consider that you have to invest time and money up front into the master's degree that you otherwise wouldn't if you just joined the workforce, and it's kind of, in, at least in the breakdown that we gave here, it's kind of questionable uh, if it's really worth it in the long run, especially with how long it'll take you to make up that uh, that money that you otherwise would have made, uh, in addition to the fact that once you get to that established senior level of software development, that the difference in uh, people with degrees is really insignificant. Um, so personally, all of you listeners out there, uh, work on those personal projects, work on those home labs, and uh, save. Say, rather than spending 20 grand over the course of say say you say say you're working full time, right? Rather than say, and your employer isn't paying for a master's degree or any kind of advanced degree, rather than spending that 20 grand over the course of I don't know three years or however long it takes you to do the degree maybe over the course of you know a few years pro- 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 you wouldn't even have to spend 20 grand first of all uh, you work on you know buying maybe buying some software tools or buying some old enterprise gear or you know whatever it is to improve your uh, your actual skills and your coding abilities, or your networking abilities, or your DevOps abilities, your automation abilities, or whatever you're interested, go and go explore, go do that. Don't, don't, don't bother with the, the advanced degrees, especially if you're doing software development because in all honesty, you really don't need it. Um, so if you enjoy this episode, uh, if you think I'm just way wrong, <laughs> uh, you think I'm an idiot, uh, you can send me, send me an email, uh, tell me why you think I'm an idiot. Um, or if you agree with me, um, or if you have any questions about this episode or you have questions you want me to answer in a future episode, or if you just have just a general, um, something you want my opinion on. Uh, feel free to shoot me an email at contact at darkassassinsinc.com. Uh, you can click the link in the show notes below for that. Um, and I ask that you would uh, leave a rating and review on this episode and subscribe to the Dark Assassins podcast if you haven't done so already. Uh, and be sure to share it to a friend or family member. Maybe you have a friend or family member that's thinking about doing a master's degree in computer science because they want to be a software developer. Maybe you could send this to them and uh, save them the hassle and the trouble of uh wasting all that money or i I say wasting they might find value in it but personally i don't think it's worth it as i mentioned uh in this longer episode of the dark assassins podcast talking about a singular topic um but yeah that's going to do it for me in this episode of the dark assassins podcast until next time my fellow assassins remember bull nothing equals true if action not equal to null return true i'll see you next time on the dark assassins podcast